Hello and welcome to the second of EG's Voice of the Region podcast. I'm Jim Larkin, I'm a regional researcher here at EG and I'll be continuing our virtual road trip around the country where we talk to those agents who found themselves in the limelight thanks to their performances in the Radius On Demand rankings. We want to find out what the market's like at local level up and down the country and how agents have prospered there in what have been difficult conditions. We were in Oxfordshire last time and now we're heading up the M40 to Shakespeare's county of neighbouring Warwickshire where I'm pleased to be joined by James Brooks of Bromwich Hardy. Welcome James. Morning Jim, thank you. <laughs> okay uh, first of all um, for those that don't really know the area or the local market that well can you give us a bit of a background on Bromwich Hardy itself um, just a brief history um, and a breakdown of the areas in which you specialise. <clears throat> sure um, yeah Bromwich Hardy um, I've been in existence um, since coming for a 12th year now um, I've been with them for <laughs> nine years um, based in Warwickshire um, but obviously quite close to Coventry and Coventry sitting in the in the West Midlands. So a, a lot of our, our work is, is split between Warwickshire and the West Midlands with Coventry in particular. Um, but we also pick up North Warwickshire, so uh, sort of Nuneaton, um, out to Rugby, um, then Warwick, Leamington, down to Stratford, um, pretty active in all of those places. Um, and in regard to, to how the business is structured, um, there's five charter surveyors, one graduate and then a support team behind that. On the agency side, we deal with industrial, office, um, retail, leisure, land. Uh, there's been a, a, quite a focus on student property for some time. Um, we've got fa- fairly sizable management portfolio and, um, and we do professional work as well. Excellent. Okay. Um, Now, the reason we're talking today primarily um, is that according to the radius rankings uh, in Warwickshire, you've transacted more than 250,000 square feet across 18 deals, um, which is way more than the rest of the radius community combined. Um, Why is Warwickshire such a happy hunting ground for you? Um, I I think we've built up a good reputation here, to be honest. We've got good retained clients um, who we've acted for for a number of years. Um, I, I think one of my bosses likes to churn out that um, um, between us we've got over 200 years of experience in, in, uh, in, in surveying um, and um, it, it's yeah we, we've built a, a, a good reputation um, and we, we, we've seen the market really really delivering um, it's a Coventry and Warwickshire has become a very popular place, especially for the logistics hubs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's always sat around the, the, the logistical golden triangle, um, but with the concentration of uh, a, a number of car manufacturers around Coventry, um, it's spread out in, into the regions around Warwickshire because there has been such a chronic shortage of, of industrial property for some time. Okay. Um- what does Warwickshire offer the logistics sector? I mean, obviously there's location pretty central within England. Is there other other factors? I think the road network. Mm-hmm. Um, the road network is 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 very important. Obviously, you've got the M40 um, that links the, uh, the 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 side of London to the bottom of Birmingham, in effect, um, and then the, to to the north of the county, the M6. M42 sort of straddles the uh, 
the, the western side of it and then um, down to Rugby at the M1. So, so most of the, the major road networks it, it covers. Um, and I mean, Coventry in particular has, has, has struggled for, 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 it struggled for a number of years because it was so central. Mm. So that in effect, people were, and there were such a good road network surrounding it that nobody actually came into the city centre. Right. Uh, they just skirted around the road. And, and effectively, you can travel pretty much anywhere within a day within the United Kingdom. So there wasn't actually much requirement to stop off in the middle of middle of it. But um, yeah, the, the, I mean, uh, Coventry had a lot of historic industrial property. Um, mm. And it was eaten up very quickly. And that has then rapidly spread out to the area. So you've seen massive uplifts. I mean, in particular in rugby. Um, Warwick, uh, well, Leamington's always been a very strong market and, and the values there. Uh, uh, one of my colleagues is, is, is selling um, 14 um, industrial units, all about 2,000 feet. And he's, he's, and he's achieved 200 pounds a square foot on every single one of them. Um, Coventry is not far behind. It's creeping up to 175 quid a foot. Rugby as a market has, has really has really taken on the rents there are becoming pretty strong. Um, hasn't quite got to Nuneaton yet, but it will do. And it's mm. and it's it's not a million miles <clears throat> away. Cool, excellent. Okay, um, talking of non-eaten, uh, I think your biggest deal, <coughs> um, you personally and the, and the companies uh, in the year to date, um, was a letting just shy of ninety four thousand square feet at Paul Road Industrial Estate in Nuneaton. Um, can you say a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, it was actually uh, two sites that were were pushed together. Okay, so it's actually um, bigger than that. <laughs> well, it, it's three acres in effect. Mm-hmm. It was three acres of hard sanding. Um, it was um, a, a concrete um, beam crater, effectively, was was um, was the previous tent there. And they very kindly uh, con- concreted the entire site and it made it an extremely good surface. That's nice um, of them. Yeah, in, in the middle of a, a very old and tired industrial estate um, mm. of Paul Road. But hard standing is gold dust at the moment because you've seen a trend much, much like you would do in, in, in houses. You've seen houses with bigger plots. Uh, quite often that the parts of the garden have been chopped up or they've been knocked down and more houses have been put on that. If you've got a site with a lot of yard, it doesn't bring you as much as chopping it up into lots of different little industrial units and creating mm. that which has then caused a dearth in available yard space. And I mean, we're, we're I would say we're getting towards north of, of 40, 45 grand an acre. So a pound a square foot in terms of open yard storage. There are some deals that, that I know that are that are, are pushing 60, 70 grand a, an acre. Um, and this site in particular had, it had a 17,000 foot shed uh, with really high eaves, which was excellent for in, in, internal storage. And then it had a smaller block of about five, six thousand feet with some offices, um, gated, secure, uh, 24-hour access. Um, and it's a it's a transport, a haulage company that, that's taken it. It just really suits them. 
Excellent. Okay. Um, now, a lot's been written over the past year um, about the success of the logistics sector, um, and that's largely been put down to changing shopping patterns, you know, obviously that have been accelerated ra rapidly by the pandemic. Um, but now shops are opening and we're heading to back to some sort of normality. Is there a sense that demand is, is peaked or is slowing or is it still as strong as ever? Um, I, I think we're in. We're still in a bit of bit of a quandary. For my my own personal opinion, is that the retail sector is actually the biggest opportunity in the market currently. Um, I, I think towards. I know that uh, employment levels are are staying fairly steady at the moment, but certainly towards the back of the of the year when um, the furlough scheme comes to an end, it will bring about large swathes of, of, of redundancies I'm quite certain of that and probably some levels of company collapses um, that there is a, a thought that for some time there that the termed zombie companies um, and they've largely been propped up by the bank's reluctance mm. to draw them to a closure perhaps over the last three or four years and they've been in effect stumbling blindly into the dark um, and they've once again been propped up by the furlough scheme and perhaps towards the end of the year we, we will see some of these these companies start to go because they they, they should do really that they're not they're not stacking up um, now I've got a friend of mine who owns a um, they, they create chinaware um, and cutlery for all the top hotels around the country in Birmingham now they employ 70, 75 people, very specialist in, in the job that they do. Um, so if they were to go to the wall, they were, they're one of the last bastions of, of that industry. Um, there's, there's nowhere that they could, their workers could directly go to because there's, there's no competitors. Mm. And they're so highly skilled that actually it's really their, their skills are non-transferable. So with your 60, 70 employees who are mainly 40 to 60, 65, so in, the, in that older bracket, they've either then got to go back and retrain or move into something different. And the two easiest things to move into are to start retailing something or to start selling food and beverages. Mm -hmm. So with the raft of vacancies that are becoming available in or that are, that are already available in town centres, um, I think there is actually an opportunity for the, the town centres to galvanise themselves as long as the owners are, are, are proactive of, of, of the buildings in the town centres. And this probably means a mixture of, of dragging it back 30, 35 years to where town centres were, where you had lots of smaller individual shops um, with residential above and the residential conversion of the upper floors is, is another because that then diversifies people's portfolio um, and brings consistent footfall um, into the high street if you've got actual people living there. I ran a, um, I, I ran a basically a, a, a search through the whole of Stratford-upon-Avon and I analysed every single retail property in the whole of the town centre and from some work that I've done with um, student and, and PRS projects in the, the past I know roughly 
what sizes I can fit into upper areas. And I, I could fit 320 apartments into the upper floors of, of retail. And even if half of that was delivered, that creates you a permanent footfall and, and buoys the nightlife in the town. And in my in my opinion, it, it, that there is a real opportunity if, if we can get it right. How long do you think that transformation is going to take? <laughs> um, quite some time. I mean, you, you, you saw it back in the original <coughs> 70s and 80s um, where you had um, big box retail occupiers so your BHS, your Marks and Spencers, your Boots, your Woolworths, they took five, six, seven shops, knocked them all together, created these big entities which they then took 25-year leases, the assets were then sold into, um, uh, into investment funds and as soon as the tenants have actually dropped off, uh, the tenants have gone bust, you've got these big spaces that you can't relet. And because they're owned by investment funds, they don't actually have the ability to redevelop them. So they actually have to sell them at, at what are relatively low prices for, for vacant, vacant stock to allow somebody else to, to do that sort of, of breakup. Um, and then if you are breaking it up, you've got there's not so much covenant strength depth so you need to really counterbalance that with 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 some residential conversion which equally has its has its has its difficulties because you've got to then create parking solutions within the town centers you may have listed building frontages where you've got to drop a second entrance into staircases perhaps that are in the middle of units you have to bring them to the front um so it's going to take a lot of thought but it's really the only way forward. Okay, sure. Okay, um, moving away from <coughs> shopping and online shopping, um, are there any other factors that are driving the demand for big sheds in the area? Uh, under supply um, and um, land supply for, for development going forward. You, you're seeing an awful lot of, of development sites being brought forward for housing. And there is mass housing growth and obviously the the, the government <coughs> churning out all these figures as to how many houses we are behind and what we need to deliver um yeah they, they do seem to to not be thinking about employment land as, as much um and it it will be a question at some point with all the housing that is delivered where all these people will work especially with the the, the a dearth in the in the high street which is a large employer for the country um so so land availability is is a really big thing um but any new developments that are coming forward for, for industrial units as i say you, you're hitting crazy prices just because of the scarcity i mean even excuse my language but bits of real crap are uh, <laughs> are, are um are, are picking up really strong values just because there's nothing else mm. Sure. Okay. Um, are you seeing or starting to see um, any sort of impact of Brexit? Um, I'm thinking particularly of manufacturers um, who might have relied on quite a sophisticated just-in-time distribution network, which were themselves kind of reliant on uh, frictionless trade. Um, are they now having to take more storage space now that trade is less frictionless? I can't say that I've seen that <laughs> directly. Um, and I think probably that's more due to the fact of the world we've been living in for the last 12 months 
wherever, but it's been more caught up and het up mm. in in lockdowns and in the problems we've been encountering. I'm not sure that the ramifications of of, of Brexit have, have properly hit home yet. No, no, we won't. Okay. Um, I think you might have touched on this earlier, but what's the supply chain for logistics space looking like? Um, is it is planning consent reasonably easy to come by? <clears throat> planning is, is is difficult in every sector, mm. um, and a, a lot of that is due to the lack of, of of planners that are available in the local authorities. It always seems that the planning bodies are overworked. Um, they don't have enough time to get to the applications. Um, and you end up having to force the, the situation. There, there's a, um, a development in the in the Coventry City Centre that I've been working on for a, for a few years, and it got to the point that um, um, the, the the developer had to instruct their solicitors to act against the planning department because they just weren't getting any replies to to, to what they needed or pushing forward. And actually, as soon as they did that, they they, they got their consent. Mm. Um, <laughs> But there the simply aren't enough planners and the process is difficult. Um, but it's also bringing sites forward. Um, it, it, it does seem far easier to bring the sites forward for, for residential. Um, and equally, there are, there are more, more people out there looking for residential development sites. It, it is easier to build uh, it's a city, I suppose, but it, it probably is easier to build 200 houses than a 300,000 square foot industrial shed. Mm. Um, just because more people have practiced at it, you know, you've got a definite end user. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's not coming through. Sure. OK, so is there a danger, therefore, that um, demand could outstrip supply? Well, are we already there? Yeah, we're already definitely there. Um, I mean, if you look, if you look through the availability, um, I mean, just thinking on our books, anything in anything under five thousand feet industrial, as long as we're we're not quoting ridiculous rents or, or mm. values, will go. It will just simply go. Even really difficult units that we've considered and thought. Or maybe that's got too much of a mezzanine. It 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 it, it restricts the the usage of it. There's maybe there's too much office. It's still going. Um, the one sector that that really is struggling at the moment, well, uh, the the sector that's struggling the most is is office. I feel. Um, but again, that's probably more of a consequence of the pandemic, and how we're only starting to get back to office working and, and how that will look in the future. Will it will it be this 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 hybrid, which seems to be the expectation? Um, but within that hybrid, are you still able to occupy the same spaces if you've got, I don't know, 60 percent of your workforce in on a day? And they're having to be more spread out, will that equal out to the space you had before. Um, I mean, for example, us us here, um, we've taken the adjacent office unit to knock through into it to make sure that we've got enough space. Mm, wow, okay. 
Um, how attractive is Warwickshire currently from an investment market point of view? What sort of yields are you seeing? Um, I think, I, I mean, from an investment point, it's almost anything industrial investment yeah. wise going. Um, I, I mean, I, I, there was a, um, another agent had on a, um, a small business centre just on the outskirts of Warwick um, that we had previously managed. And this was five, six um, smallish industrial units. Well, I think the smallest was about 1,300 feet going up to about two and a half. And I think that they, they went out at 1.2 million. I did my sums off, off what was probably a, an 8% yield, really. Um, that dragged it back to just north of a million, and they went in it. They, they dra- dragged down to about six percent, right? Which, which is the same sort of percent yield that you'd, you'd you'd expect perhaps to pick up on a convenience store. You might you might do a little bit sharper than it. You might get to five and a half or so. Um, but industrial around Coventry and Warwickshire is is extremely popular I, I bid on a unit north of, in North Warwickshire in Atherston um, and I went for, for, for a retained client I went at a hundred grand over asking and I was nowhere near there were 14 wow. offers above the offer that I put in um, yeah uh, then if, if you look at I mean recently I've, I've sold a number of um residential investments residential investments are 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 proven very popular um if we do go into some some sort of a recession um residential is, investment is quite a, a decent backstop because you people still have to live places mm-hmm. um it's the same as a student student property is or through the last recession was the best performing property asset it was seen as a, a a very safe thing because young people still went to university. In fact, more young people went to university because the job opportunities weren't there. Mm. Um, yeah, it 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 does. It, it only seems to be perhaps. I mean, offices and retail. There are still people. Offices are just not really trading at the moment. Um, you get the odd deal here and there. Retail. It depends at what level you're picking it up. Um, there are creative people who are, are are looking into retail and looking how they can reposition things, and if and if they're smart, retail is going. Sure. Okay. Has the pandemic made people, from an investment point of view, um, view the student accommodation sector as being slightly less robust than it was? No, I don't think so. Um, in fact, I've, I've um, I'm actually retained by uh, a Singaporean fund who have got a multi-billion pound fund that they've just set up purposely to buy um, purpose-built student accommodation, PBSA. Um, and, and I've been everywhere and I'm looking for, I'm looking for, for lots of between five and a hundred million quid. Uh, they'll buy portfolios, they're looking for 150, 200 beds plus. Um, 
and their target yields were six and a half percent. I can't actually. I haven't. I've unearthed three, and I've been everywhere. And I've and I'm. I mean, I've dealt with a hundred million quid's worth of students in the last five years. I know most of the the, the main players, and, and I can't find any assets that are actually worth buying. Um, it, it's because the, the student sector was a very much a burgeoning market where you saw a lot of development mm. in towns and cities. Um, however, a number of these cities are now at capacity, stroke overbedded. Coventry's at capacity. Um, Birmingham's not a million miles off. Nottingham's at capacity. Leeds is at capacity. Leicester's at close. Certain Liverpool and, and Manchester are overcooked. Um, there's a bit of opportunity in Bristol, but you've you've seen that explosion of purpose-built student, and you've only got so far to go. It's not to say that development deals won't happen, but they'll be very location-specific, and it'll be lesser than than the, this explosion you've seen. So it then moves into a secondary market, a transactional market, um, but most of the the, the big decent stock has been bought by by overseas funds um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's difficult to, to buy them. Sure. Okay. Um, okay, moving on. Um, Q1 of this year, it brought us lockdown three, um, generally agreed to be the worst of all the lockdowns. Um, how difficult did that make it to get deals across the line? Um, and how did you kind of on a personal level manage to stay motivated during what was a quite a difficult time? Um, me personally, I haven't necessarily felt that I've been particularly locked down I have to say because obviously we could still go out to sites mm. as long as we put our protective um, um, masks and, 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 and gloves and things like that we could go out we can do valuations we could go out and um, do sites um, I mean we invested two years ago in the Matterport technology so that's creating virtual 3D models um, and in the first lockdown, I actually spent a lot of time focusing on that and streamlining it. So now with every instruction that we have, we're putting on um, a virtual building model where you can walk your way around. We're building off the back of that virtual model. We're building um, videos that give you virtual viewing tours around the units and show you all the spaces. You can get into those spaces. You can actually measure them up through the models. I, I actually completed um, two weeks ago, I completed my first letting purely on virtual viewings. Wow. So literally, and this was a, it was a 20 year lease to um, a pizza chain um, who took a unit in Warwick. And the first time they saw the unit was when I handed over the keys to them two weeks ago. So everything done virtually. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's got, there are so many benefits to it. We can create schedules of condition for it. We can use it for valuations. You can go back into the models and take photographs of it, remeasure areas. Um, it's it's transformed our business through through lockdown and allowed us whatever the restrictions allowed us to do to do viewings and, and get our properties out there for people to see. Sure. Have you been surprised by um, how fast? the you know the adaptation of new technology has gone since the since the start of lockdown last March um it was already there mm. it was already there in a lot of ways and as I say we, we, we'd 
we were a year into um, Matterport and we'd, we'd already been investing seriously in that. Um, I think it's just it's just accelerated everybody's requirement to, to know what's going on in it and embrace these these technologies. Um, and, it, and it's speeded up the world that we, we work in in a lot of ways. You asked about how the lockdowns created challenges. It's created challenges with perhaps the tying up of the deals. Um, mm. We've seen that, that the legal end has really slowed down. Uh, the planning end has really slowed down. And that could be, I mean, it could be just as simple as um, some of the, um, the legal practices have furloughed part of their staff. So they haven't got enough solicitors to go around. The workloads are still there, um, but they just don't have the, the, the amount of people to, to cover what's being required. Mm, sure. OK. Um, OK. And I guess part of that kind of tech transformation um, has been uh, you signing up to Radius. Um, what made you come on board and what's the journey been like and how do you incorporate it into your workflow? We'd always been submitting our deals through to um the, the the eg deals competition i mean we've we've been most active agent in warwickshire for the last seven years i think it is mm-hmm. um we picked up various deal maker of the years for warwickshire and the west midlands region um but yeah it it, it seemed like a, a a natural progression to start using that system properly and i mean i we just did a presentation to um, a charity um, in, in Warwickshire for their property portfolio, a, a two million pound a year rent roll. And and I, and I pulled off all the, 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 the tables from mm-hmm. last year's radius um, and stuck them into the presentation, um, showed them where we were, especially, I mean, because this was a largely retail portfolio. I could show that we came second in the in the West Midlands region overall last year and what transactions we'd done. Um, and it helped to, to, to back up our business case, to be honest. Fantastic. Excellent. OK, well, on that happy note, I think we'll end there. Um, thank you very much for your time and thank you for your insights. No problem at all.